The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 1. Had I Not Seen the Sun. January 2002. Welcome back, everybody. The night is old, the sea is restless, and I like to imagine there's an owl just outside this brick bunker of a studio. I took a deep breath before I continued, forcing myself to sound both calm and chipper. When I took this job as a late-night radio host for my college, I thought studio life was going to be a whole lot more fun. It wasn't. It wasn't great at all. People rarely called in, and when they did, it was about something stupid. I felt like I'd heard the same eight songs 30 times in the last week, and the worst part was that I had been the one playing them. Even so, I pressed on. You're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Next up, we have a caller from, you guessed it, Burning Rock, Washington. Welcome to the show, Jen. Oh, hey, Ivy. Uh, My name is Jen. Yeah, I I got that. I was feeling grouchy tonight and wanted to point out that I had just said her name, so obviously I knew it. But I kept my mouth shut. Hey, Jen. What can I do for you on this windy winter night? I just just had a question, she said. "Uh Uh-huh. This was already killing me. People should really be prepared when they called in, like you're supposed to be prepared when you get to the front of a line at a busy coffee shop. Then again, I suppose this was buying me a few minutes where I didn't have to play some little snippet of Top 40 nonsense. She took a deep breath and continued. I was just uh, wondering if you like have any tricks for when you can't sleep? Like, do you ever have any problems with insomnia or anything like that? Uh, yeah, of course. Why do you think I'm doing a late night radio show? Well, do, do you have any tricks? She repeated. I laced my fingers together and leaned back in my chair. Jen's question was the boring sort of question that usually yields equally boring answers. So I decided that instead of answering it in a straightforward manner, I was going to actually have some fun with it. What I was about to say wasn't technically a lie, but it also wasn't a conversation topic I usually pull out at parties. It tended to make people think that I was weird. Turned out, though, I would rather be weird than bored, so I kept talking. Did you have an imaginary friend when you were a kid? I asked. I spun my chair in a circle, using my foot to push off from my desk once a rotation. I really liked the studio, actually. In the two weeks I'd been here, I'd really made it my own in that I'd added a giant poster of the Seattle skyline and an entire pyramid of cardboard-to-go cups. The studio itself was reasonably close to soundproof. It was about as good as you could expect from a small college's struggling AV department. There was a window at the far end of the room that let me see into the hallway, and that was my favorite part of the whole setup. On the rare occasion I recorded during the day, students would wander through the positively medieval stone hallways on their way to the library, and occasionally pause to stare at me before realizing that I could see them too. I always made sure to stare back, though ultimately everyone usually ended up laughing. Jen spoke up again, reminding me that she was there. I guess I had an imaginary friend. 
She sounded appropriately confused at the question. Or, I mean, at least I would pretend that I did. As I spun in my chair, I noticed what looked like fog or a small patchy bit of frost forming on the lower right corner of the window. The media building is cold, but frost seemed a little extreme. I swiveled again, and by the time the window came into view, the frost was gone. 36 hours without sleep seemed to be catching up to me. Okay, great, I said to Jen, realizing I'd paused for an awkwardly long time. So do you have an imaginary friend now? I asked, refocusing the conversation while still staring at the window. (laughs) No, of course not, she said. Really? I would argue that most adults have the equivalent of an imaginary friend. Don't you ever, you know, have mental conversations with yourself? Or imagine how arguments with your friends could have gone differently? Well, sure, she said. But I don't think that's an imaginary friend exactly. You sure? Well, she didn't continue after that, and I was proud of the little bit of doubt in her voice. Now to drive the point home in the most ridiculous way possible. I've got an imaginary friend, I said. Really? She didn't sound impressed. Yeah, sometimes I talk to her, you know, if I'm like dreaming or something. Okay. Now she was starting to sound downright irritated, which was exactly the direction I was hoping this would go. Normally this would be fun, but I was too distracted to care anymore. The foggy spot on the window was slowly coming back. I almost thought I could see color and movement behind it, like there was someone out there. I wasn't paying attention to the conversation anymore. I could definitely see movement outside the studio window. The fog obscured the shape of it, so it was impossible to tell what I was looking at exactly. One thing was for sure. There was someone else in here. My stomach lurched a little at the thought. It was almost three in the morning and there wasn't supposed to be anyone else here. There definitely wasn't supposed to be someone watching me. I dropped the imaginary friend thing. It sounded dumb anyway. So what about you? I stalled suddenly wanting to keep Jen on the phone. Do you have any tricks for falling asleep? Um, nothing earth-shattering, Jen said. And then she said goodbye and hung up. I definitely deserved that, on account of being a jerk. I got up from the chair and moved a little closer to the window. On paper, Burning Rock had to be one of the safest towns in the country but I still couldn't help but worry and imagine that there was probably a serial killer standing out there. Okay, I said, leaning over the microphone. So we're going to listen to some tunes for a couple minutes. Real original, riveting stuff. And when we come back, I want to hear what you guys do to fall asleep. I did not in fact care what they did to fall asleep, but I had to say something. I put on a song and stared out the window, and that's when I saw the face. It was too blurry to see what the person looked like, but it was obviously the shadowy shape of a person. And something about that shadow shifted. There was an almost imperceptible movement, and I imagined that it was smiling at me. I refuse to believe that this was actually happening. I don't believe in ghosts. This has to be like when I was a kid and I thought I saw a weird shape in my bedroom. 
I closed my eyes and then I opened them again. The thing was gone. So was the weird foggy haze in the corner of the window. I must be losing it. It must be because I was so tired. I guess I'm more desperate for sleep than I thought. I looked back at the window. I had been so sure that there was someone out there. Could it really have just been a figment of my imagination? Against my better judgment, I decided I was going to find out. I grabbed a heavy mug off my desk just in case I had to smack something with it later. It wasn't a good weapon, but I figured I could throw it at least. My song still had a few minutes to go. I know, because I had memorized the whole thing against my will. I loaded another song to buy myself more time, and then I opened the door and stepped into the hallway. It was definitely cold out here, much colder than it should have been. I paused and listened for a moment. Usually if there's someone else in the building, you could hear their footsteps echoing on the stone floor all the way to the library. I didn't hear anything tonight, and somehow that was even scarier. I kept walking anyway. Fancy, gas lantern-style lights lined the hallways, and they all looked like they were flickering. Not to worry. It was probably just because of the floaters filling my vision. Everything looked like it was kind of waving, distorted in the dim light, almost like it was underwater. As I walked, I felt the strange sensation that the floor was tilting off to the left. Maybe it really was just all in my head. Maybe I was just tired. I kept repeating that to myself, hoping it would start to sound true. I padded down the hall, picturing every scary movie I'd ever seen. Creepy things always pop out of doorways, and there were a lot of doorways down here. The hall was stuffed with doorways, as a matter of fact. As I walked, I felt like there was something heavy pressing down on me. Like if I gave an inch, it would just crush me then and there. The combination of utter silence and utter stillness was suffocating in and of itself, but this was something different. Something I didn't want to think about. Even so, I looked into each doorway a little too long as I passed them by. The hallway spilled out onto a set of double doors, which led to the library. I figured I had another two minutes before I should head back to the studio to change the song. So though I kind of would rather not, I took a deep breath and pulled open the door to the library. It would have been a waste of time to turn back now. I was instantly hit with the scent combination of old books and burnt coffee. If I'm being totally honest, I've never actually liked the smell of old books. They just kind of smell like other old stuff, like attics. And I guess I don't know a lot of people who smell an attic and think, Oh, nice. Old. The coffee smell wasn't great either. The librarians kept a pot of coffee in the back, even though they strictly prohibited drinks in the rest of the library. If people wanted water, they had to go to the water fountain. I think it's dumb, and pretty elitist. If a 25-year-old librarian can handle coffee... I don't see any reason a 25-year-old graduate student can't. Moonlight poured into the library from the huge stained glass window on the far wall. It cast colorful shadows on the floor. Tree branches waved and pulsed behind the glass, occasionally scraping up against it. I shivered and pulled the door closed behind me. The silence of that room felt like a pillow over my face on a hot night. 
I could hardly breathe through it, and every sound, every scrape of those branches against that needlessly gorgeous window, sent my heart racing all over again. I inched deeper into the library. Something creaked behind me. I spun around to look, but there was nothing there. Only, what if there was? What if I just couldn't see it? The thought hit me out of the blue, and it was a terrible thought. Why did I have to go and think something like that? I shook my head, like I thought the actual motion might help clear out my brain somehow. This was ridiculous. I was so tired, but there was no way there was actually anything here. I should just get back to the studio and try to get a grip. I turned to the door, and as I did, I caught sight of something gray moving out of the corner of my eye. I stumbled backward before realizing there was something there. It had to be nothing. There are a lot of things that look gray, right? Like mice, and apparently my imagination. Even so, I followed the movement deeper into the library, in between the shelves of books. Ghosts in the fantasy aisle? How appropriate. I moved around the edge of the shelf and peeked down the aisle half expecting something to jump out at me. Instead, all I saw was a book. There was a book lying in the middle of the aisle, all alone, and somehow that seemed worse than a ghost. Walking down the aisle felt like walking toward an open casket at a funeral. It's funny. I like the dark. I even like being in the dark after everyone else has gone home. I like being alone. I'm not usually afraid of any of it, but tonight, with that book lying there on the stone floor and only a sliver of moonlight to guide the way, everything was different. I took the remaining steps to the book and leaned down to pick it up, careful to keep an eye on my surroundings. I didn't want to miss anything. The stakes felt high, in spite of my constant self-reassurance that everything was fine. The book was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. I was kind of familiar with it. My mom read it to me when I was little. It's a story about a group of kids who go to another world through the back of a freestanding closet or something like that. The book served as my introduction to the subgenre of portal fantasy, which has been a favorite of mine for many years. What was it doing here in the middle of the floor? I tried to convince myself that some student had dropped it, but it wasn't like the librarians to leave something like that on the floor. I put the book back on the shelf. I told myself that I had to get back to the studio before the song ended. Though really, I was just too scared to stay any longer. I took one last look at the library, stoic and alone, and headed back to my studio. I made it back just in time to hear the last few notes of a song that I had chosen. The call light was blinking, and I reached down to pick it up. I didn't even bother fielding it off the air like I normally would have. Hey, you're live with Ivy Romeo. I was relieved to find that my voice sounded largely normal. Oh, hey, this is Brad. I covered the receiver and let out a huge breath of relief and closed my eyes for a moment. Hearing another voice, even one on the other end of a telephone line, made me feel less alone. The spell of the silent night was broken, and for the moment, things felt okay. Even so... I found my eyes drawn to the window again. So tell me, Brad, 
What do you do when you can't sleep? I, uh... He sounded kind of nervous. Maybe he felt like I had put him on the spot. Which I kind of did. But I didn't really care. I make videos, he said. Kind of like video journal entries, I guess. Hmm, very cool, very cool, I said. Mostly just to keep him on the line. For a moment, I thought I saw that foggy spot forming on the window again. I blinked and it was gone, and I made the conscious decision to swivel away from the window. Somehow, that felt even worse, but I didn't turn around again. Do you talk about anything particular in your videos? I asked. He paused for a moment, a long, drawn-out moment. I was about to repeat the question when he said, Local legends, I guess. I couldn't help it. I turned to look out the window again and wondered about the nature of this town's local legends. After the show, I hurried to the parking lot without looking over my shoulder even once. I was glad I had brought my car that night. The college was easily within walking distance from my apartment, but I guess I just didn't want to walk home in the dark. I was kind of angry that my own fear was taking away my usual love of nighttime. But I figured I just needed to get some sleep. If I could do that, maybe my brain would stop creating problems where they didn't exist. It was nearly 4 a.m., but as soon as I opened my apartment door, I knew someone was still awake. Light spilled out into the entryway, and soft Italian music played in the background. Lana, my roommate, didn't strike me as an Italian cafe ambiance kind of person, which made me wonder if someone else was in the apartment. I hadn't been around much since moving in, but I was vaguely aware that Lana had some friends in the building. To be honest, she kind of seemed like the carefree type who might give keys to friends. I rounded the corner and stepped into our beautiful industrial kitchen. It had stainless steel appliances and pots and pans hanging from hooks above the sink. And to be honest, it was way too fancy for a couple of grad students. I'm not sure, but I think Lana's rich professor grandfather might pay part of the rent. Sure enough, the person in the kitchen wasn't Lana. It was a guy with his back to me, holding a glass dish and whistling softly with the cafe music. I might have been tempted to be afraid if it weren't for the night I had just had. Instead, I found myself vaguely annoyed. Who was this? What was he doing here? He was acting like he belonged here, but nobody ever cleared that with me. I had been under the impression that I lived here too. Hi, I said. What are you doing? He nearly dropped his pan in his hurry to turn around, and I smiled a little bit at that. It was a little bit funny. He calmed down quickly. He put the dish on the counter and ran a hand through his floppy hair, it was pretty normally dressed. Jeans, t-shirt, flannel jacket. Except for the fact that he was also wearing a mint green hoodie with dark little dots and a sleeve that read Burning Rock Ice Cream Company in large white letters. The other sleeve read Mint Chocolate Chip, and I realized that it was a hoodie meant to invoke the look of a bowl of ice cream. It was both odd and delightful, and instantly, against my better judgment, I liked the person wearing it. I'm making cinnamon rolls, he said. 
That still wasn't nearly enough information. Uh, why? I asked. Sorry. For breakfast. I'm Lana's brother, Sam. He reached over the kitchen islands, but quickly realized that our arms weren't long enough to reach all the way over and shake hands. Instead of coming around the counter, he just kind of gave up and stuffed his hands in his pockets. Which, honestly, I thought was more dignified. I like your kitchen better than mine, he said with a glint of humor that suggested he understood the ridiculousness of getting caught in my kitchen at four in the morning. This all kind of tracked, I guess, but I decided I wasn't going to make it that easy. Out kind of late, aren't we? I said. I mean, seriously, most people I know are done with their cinnamon rolls by like one, two in the morning, tops. I pulled out a chair at the counter. Sam smiled. Yeah, you got me. I'm actually here to steal that. He pointed to Lana's countertop herb garden. Sure, that tracked. There was a bowl of some kind of sugar mixture on the counter. I grabbed a spoon out of the drawer and grabbed myself a spoonful. Sure enough, it's straight cinnamon and sugar and maybe salt. Hmm, you okay? Sam asked. Uh, why? Because I'm eating straight sugar? No, no, not at all. That That's normal. Your vibe just seems off. I laughed, though. I guess the vibe thing was kind of true. I'm just super tired. I haven't slept much the last couple days. And that bowl of sugar is good. Well done. He laughed, and I couldn't help but chuckle, too. October 2007. Five years later, I stand alone on the shore, watching the sun set behind Burning Rock. The last time I saw Sam was a night just like this. The sun is halfway submerged in the ocean, and I imagine that it's screaming for help, shooting out its most vibrant rays like a last-minute SOS. It's sinking fast, and there's nothing that anyone can do, even if we wanted to. That light is incredible, though. The last light is always the most beautiful and always the most shocking, the most mesmerizing. In the winter, the sunset sort of serves as my sunrise. I guess I'm still halfway nocturnal. As I stand there looking at the water, it's hard to believe that it's been five years since I met Sam. And it's harder to believe that after all this time, I still haven't found him. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon. <laughs>